I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. A remix. <laughs> what if you communicated exclusively in weird DJ soundboard noises? <laughs> I feel like I might murder you if we did that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the brain struggle, struggle, and then you were like, I don't listen to the radio. I listen to my phone. <laughs> I don't know any other noises. I mean, I could make whatever noises I could think of on the moment, but I won't put you through that. Thanks. You're welcome. I'll just put you through it off, off air. Yeah. I just get it live. Yep. And all the time. Yep. It's a live stream. Mm. Always. Speaking of streaming, oh, I don't know. This is the segue I'm going with. Um, we both spend a lot of time on TikTok. Yes, we do. Yes, we are on TikTok. We are. We're on most places. At this podcast doesn't exist except for Twitter. On Twitter, we are pod doesn't exist. There you go. I don't know what we are doing. On we aren't there. doing much. It's just our <laughs> our, our stuff gets posted on there as well. So if you find that an easy place to share things, cool. um, go ahead. Uh, yes. You can also let us know if you have any suggestions for any episodes. If you'd like me to make Shannon cry, please let me know which which cases might you think that might make don't her cry. That I don't know. Energy into our lives. We're going to get just, a bunch of weirdos. Oh. That are like, yes. They're all weirdos. No, but like bad weirdos. Oh. Okay, fine. We don't <laughs> want those. She's so hesitant. She's like, but the the streams, Emma, the numbers. In any case, if you have anything to say to us, please feel free to email us at thispodcastdoesn'texist at gmail.com. You can also DM us if you really want to on Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist where in our bio you can go to the link and it goes to the link tree. I was going to say link tree and then it goes to the link tree. Then you can click on the link to our bingo card, which Shannon, I think today hmm. I want to play it. Today? While we, oh, while while we, we record. Play. Okay, that's is fun. that is that okay? I can't promise you'll be very successful. That's this fine. Episode, that's fine. It all depends, really, also in which version you get because it regenerates. Yeah. Yes, it does. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? You get a free space. Enjoy that. I already I already clicked random singing. Uh, yes. <laughs> this all is right. True. All right, so back to streaming, Emma. TikTok. We yes. both spend a lot of time on there. Yes. You should spend time there and follow us, etc. Housekeeping taken care of. I think we can agree that one of the perhaps surprising stars of TikTok that's emerged is one Frankie Jonas. Oh. The king of TikTok. Oh, no. If you look in the comments. Um... I love looking at any video of any of his brothers because in the comments, it's all like, Frankie, this guy's pretending to be your brother. It's like really weird. A Gen Z, y'all crack me up. You got some fire jokes, Gen Z. <laughs> also, can we talk about the fact that maybe Kevin Jonas isn't all that attractive when he's without his brothers? Well, that does lead me to my, my question, Emma, which was, who was your favorite Joe Bro Nick. In, in middle school? Nick. Mm. Nick. Well, I'm here to tell you why Nick is the wrong answer. <laughs> are we talking about diabetes today? We are. Yay! Today, we are going to talk about medical price gouging, specifically for insulin, but also why Nick Jonas sucks. <laughs> The title of my notes, literally, do you want to know what the title of my notes is? Go ahead, hit me. It's screw Nick Jonas, parentheses, and not in a good way. <laughs> Unexpected so, celebrity mention, check. Check. So a bit of historical background for you. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition characterized by the destruction of insulin-producing beta cells in the pancreas. 
it is estimated that between 19 and 38 million people live with type 1 diabetes worldwide, including me. <laughs> you all know her. You love her. My insulin pump. She likes to chime in during the podcast. Most of the time, Emma edits her out, but sometimes we don't want to repeat ourselves, so we just roll with it. Yeah. But that's what that sound is, if you ever hear it. Up until the 1900s, Emma, Mm. a diagnosis of diabetes was a certain death sentence because they didn't know what the heck was happening, and patients, who were often children, would just waste away because they didn't know what to do, so the treatment that they used was a starvation diet. Because basically, insulin helps control the amount of sugar in your blood, so if you ate food and your body's not making insulin, you can go into a coma uh, because you just have all the sugar. That's This is very general. I'm not a doctor. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, huge spoiler. Spoiler alert. Please don't use any of this as any sort of medical treatment. Yeah, but like when my blood sugar is high, I feel like death. Like most of our listeners, I believe, are over 21. It's like being hungover, but you didn't do anything fun to feel that way. So it feels almost as if you've been hit with, like, a curse by, like, a witch who's been like, no! I just, like, I'm thirsty and you are tired and your body's, like, sort of achy and you just want to die a little bit. You feel like a zombie. Does not sound fun. Yeah, wouldn't recommend. So to prevent that, instead they went the other direction and they were like, we're not going to feed you. <laughs> and then, it feels so counterintuitive. I understand slightly the logic, but... Yeah. Um, and for those of you who are not aware, symptoms of type 1 diabetes, which is often called juvenile diabetes, although adults can get it later in life. Um, so I feel that's a little bit of a misnomer. Yeah. Because juvenile diabetes, you could get it when you're like 27. (laughs) But here's a little info for you. So if you or someone in your life is experiencing this, go to a doctor. But increased thirst, frequent urination, extreme hunger, unintended weight loss, irritability and mood changes, fatigue and weakness, as well as blurred vision. Also, this wasn't on the list of from like WebMD or wherever I pulled it from. It's in the show notes. But the reason my mom figured out, I was diagnosed when I was 14 months old. Baby. A little baby. A baby. But I, usually by that point, babies are like pretty active and I was not. I was just a little bump on a log. Like I would just lay there on the floor. Aww. Because I didn't have any energy. And apparently my breath smelled fruity. Oh, which is also a symptom. So that's how my mom knew to take me to the doctor. And they were like, hey, you're a diabetic. And I probably cried about it because I was a baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's also a symptom. There was then, and to this day, not really a real cure for diabetes. Yet. Maybe. Hopefully. We're manifesting. In 1910... Sir Edward Albert Sharpley Schaefer Wow hypothesized that the pancreas of a diabetic was missing just one crucial chemical. He called this chemical insulin from the Latin word insula, meaning island. Interesting. Which is something I learned. <laughs> Doing your research. Doing my research. I just thought that was fun. A little bit of, uh, what's the word? Etymology? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's it. Look at me. I get a gold star. In May of 1921, a Canadian physician and scientist named Frederick Banting began working to isolate and extract insulin. He worked in the laboratories of J.R.R. Mc... Mc... Mm, McLeod? Sure. A prof- Do you have mispronunciations on your bingo card? Oh, let's see. There you go. A professor of physiology at the University of Toronto. I do. The medical student Charles Best aided him in his work to test out insulin on dogs. Thanks, dogs. Babies. Chemist James Collip worked with Benting and Best to purify and refine insulin for clinical trials in humans. Cool. So 
So on July 27th of 1921, that same year, insulin was successfully isolated for the first time. But obviously they had to do that refining before they just stuck it inside a human. Yeah. That brings us to January of 1922. The first insulin injections were administered to a patient by the name of Leonard Thompson. After a series of refinements throughout the month, the insulin brought about a remarkable improvement oh. in Thompson's condition. Yay, Lenny! Yeah. On January 25th, 1922, it, that date is basically like the July 4th for diabetics, I've decided. Oh! Because Banting, Best, and Collip composed a memo agreeing that they would not seek a patent or commercial collaboration for the production of insulin. Oh. In 1923, an American patent on both insulin and Toronto's method of making it were awarded to the three men for $1 each. I think it was just like a technicality, like we have to do something. But Banting, Banting famously said, quote, insulin does not belong to me, it belongs to the world. Aww. Thanks, Frederick Banting, for keeping me alive. Also in 1923, the three men were awarded the Nobel Prize for their life-changing discovery, and for them, we will always be grateful. Amen. Yeah. They sound cool. Yeah. And then here's a little blurb from Type 1 International, or T1 International. Quote, in order for the insulin to be mass-produced and widely available, the pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly & Co. were given the rights to do so. While this incredible advancement was intended as a gift from the discoverers, Eli Lilly and two other major insulin producers, Sanofi and Novo Nordisk, have turned insulin into profit machines, assisting in bringing in billions of dollars in profit every year. By 1923, insulin was the highest selling product in Eli Lilly's history, and pro- profits from it accounted for over half the company's revenue. As we know, the prices have continued to skyrocket ever since. That's insane. Oh, just wait, Emma. You're going to get really mad. I mean, I already kind of knew some of, like, not the history, but, like, just the basic, like, yeah. humans are awful and decide to... That's the real thing. That's the subtitle of our podcast. Humans this podcast suck. doesn't exist. Humans are awful. Uh, so I knew some of this. So I am already angry about the things you haven't yet said. All right. Well, buckle in. Not to a, a. I would not buckle into a vehicle. Maybe strap yourself into a cell so you don't go and commit violent acts because you're mad. All right. Well, buckle up is on my bingo card. <laughs> so the next section of my notes I've titled. The capitalism of it all. Aww. T1 International reports that in 1999, a single vial of Humalog insulin cost the average consumer, it does not specify if this is with or without insurance, just the average consumer, $21. Okay. In 2009, 10 years later, the same vial, whose formula has not changed in any significant fashion, cost $332. Holy crap. Sorry. <laughs> Reflect- <laughs> Reflecting a price increase of more than 1,000%. And that was 2009. Just kidding. I can't do math. 20 years. 2019. 20, 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then in a 2018 survey conducted by T1 International, I'm just going to read you this quote because numbers. It's just easier. The survey was completed by a total of 1,478 respondents from 90 countries. In total, 253, 18% of all respondents, reported having rationed insulin at least once in the previous year. Mm. Of USA respondents, 162, or 25.9%, reported having rationed insulin in the previous year. Among high-income countries excluding the USA, only 6.5% reported rationing in the previous year. Widespread rationing of blood glucose testing supplies, 33.5%, was also found, and a total of 976, or 66.6%, responded there was no financial coverage whatsoever for their out-of- 
out-of-pocket diabetes costs. These costs reflect not only the cost of insulin itself, this is no longer a quote, this is me. Oh, okay. <laughs> These costs reflect not only the cost of insulin itself, but the syringes and or insulin pump supplies required to deliver the insulin, blood glucose, monitors, and test strips, and in some cases, supplies for a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM. We'll come back to that. Okay. Not to mention the additional costs for specialty visits to the endocrinologist, blood work, ophthalmology appointments, etc. Because I, as a blind human, not blind, as a human with not good vision, I don't just get to go to the optometrist. I have to go to the ophthalmologist. Nema knows this because she's had to drive me because they have to dilate my eyes once a year to make sure that they're still working because high blood sugars can cause the blood vessels in your eyes to expand and make you go blind. Woo! Not fun. Nope. Uh, so you have to pay to go see a specialist. And depending on your insurance, that can be very much Very expensive. Over the past 10 years, the big three insulin manufacturers, so Eli Lilly, Sanofi, and Novo Nordisk, have raised their prices in lockstep. Basically, they do it because they all do it, and they can get away with it. Hmm. But let me remind you, diabetics don't have an option. We can't just not... You know, sometimes your doctor's like, I would recommend you take this vitamin supplement for yeah. blah, blah, blah. But you can be like, mm, sorry, doc, I can't afford that right now. And you're fine. Like, you're not going to die. There is no evidence that insulin manufacturing costs have risen, yet prices have continued to increase. A recently published estimate puts the cost of production for a vial of analog insulin at between $3.69 and $6.16. So, a vial of insulin costs about $6 to produce, and they are charging $300 or more dollars per vial. Is anyway. the mob in charge of this? <laughs> Is the mafia uh, here? Some fiscal conservatives who oppose Medicare for All and similar social assistance programs that would help cover medical costs point to the availability of, quote, Walmart insulin as an alternative and I literally wrote, <laughs> long story short, yes, it's more affordable, but the formula is less sophisticated. It reacts in the body differently, so you can't treat it like a one-to-one -one match. Like, our dear friend, Tom King, is gluten-free. Yes. Like, you can get gluten-free flour and make a recipe, and most of the time, that's fine. Yes. Right? It's a one-to-one -one match. You can't do that with this, like cheap walmart insulin which like i say cheap and it's like 30 dollars. i think <sighs> i didn't do a ton of research because honestly by the time i remembered that factoid and like put it back in my notes i was just a ball of rage so i didn't <laughs> if you but if you google like walmart insulin i'm sure you can learn more about it if you care to but it's it's not it's not it's not a an alternative to a system that is clearly broken Alrighty, so as we alluded to in the previous quote from the survey, the increasing costs of insulin have led some diabetics to resort to insulin rationing, which often has deadly results. Rationing can lead to medical complications such as lower limb amputation, kidney failure, and blindness. If blood glucose levels run too high for an extended period of time, Diabetic ketoacidosis, or Oy. DKA, is likely, and if left untreated, it will lead to coma and death. Welcome to America, supposedly the greatest country in the world, where citizens are dying from an illness that has a well-established treatment plan. I just find it fascinating that the price point continues to go up while the production price doesn't. The capitalism of it all. I mean, I, I, I know you'll probably get to it, but like... I want to know why. It, and it's, it, I, don't, I mean, it might just be the answer is capitalism, because honestly, it probably is, but... The answer is capitalism. Okay. Okay, but Shannon, what does this have to do with my Camp Rock heartthrob, Nick Jonas? Well, dear listener, I'll tell you. The next section of my notes I've titled, Nick Janonis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
For those of you who weren't teenage girls back in the early to mid-2000s, here's a quick recap. Nick Jonas started his acting career from a young age, performing on Broadway in shows like Beauty and the Beast and Les Mis. In his teens, he was originally signed as a solo music artist, but his brothers, Joe and Kevin, quickly joined him, forming the boy band aptly titled The Jonas Brothers. The trio gained massive popularity through appearances in Disney TV shows and films such as Hannah Montana and Camp Rock, even headlining their own original Disney Channel series titled Jonas. In 2015, at age 13, Nick Jonas was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. He didn't come out as diabetic till 2007. <laughs> His family had little knowledge of the disease, but quickly rallied around our young pop star. Once his diagnosis was made public, Nick and the band worked to bring awareness to the symptoms and struggles of type 1 diabetes. In 2008, Nick and his brothers started the Jonas Brothers Change for the Children Foundation, whose mission was to bring awareness and advocate for research. I can find nothing current on this organization. Their website domain is up for sale and it has a failing score on several nonprofit evaluation sites. So Whoa. I, don't, I don't know how long that nonprofit lasted or if they like rebranded as a different Maybe it's rebranded. In 2009, Nick Jonas testified at a Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs hearing about type 1 diabetes research, advocating for improvements in technology and, more importantly, funding to find a cure. Roughly eight years after he told the world he had diabetes, he helped found Beyond Type 1, a nonprofit that supports educating the public about type 1 and, more recently, type 2 diabetes. His co-founding of this nonprofit won him the 2017 Disney Hero Award. I didn't know they had that. Yeah. All seems good so far, right? I have a feeling there's a twist. So the next section is titled, The Main Issue, which will make more sense in a second. Okay. <laughs> Main is in italics. <laughs> when Beyond Type 1 was founded... Part of their mission included not accepting funding from any of the big three insulin manufacturers due to the inherent conflict of interest involved in such a transaction. This, however, has proved to be a slippery slope for the organization, as they have since accepted funding for various initiatives in the years since their founding, including funding from Eli Lilly, one of the biggest per perpetrators in raises in insulin pricing. None of the nonprofit's marketing or their website copy makes these funding partnerships clear. So that's kind of sketchy. And other, I'll point this out, it's not an isolated issue. Other key diabetes organizations, such as the ADA, which is the Americans with Diabetes Association, and JDRF, Juvenile Re Diabetes Research Foundation, are also guilty of accepting funding from insulin manufacturers, which is why I no longer give money to JDRF. Like, me and my mom and my grandma did for years because they are more focused on research versus Americans with diabetes is mostly focused on education. Like mm -hmm. they do like the walk for diabetes. Okay. My dad's side of the family was very involved with that. My aunt Fran, like she ran a, like this auction, like she'd get baseballs signed by like Yankees people and like all the sports memorabilia and sell it for fundraising. There's a photo, I want to say it's from like fifth grade, because I have braces and I hadn't figured out that thin framed glasses are like not the look. Aww. Hey, um, it was the time though. It was the time. Oof. But there's a team photo from us at the Walk for Diabetes in New Jersey, and everyone is wearing green shirts, because of course we are, and they have shamrocks on them. Because and of it course says, they like, are. Team McCarthy walk for Shannon is what everyone else's shirt says. And my shirt says, I'm Shannon. Appropriate. <laughs> it, yes. But yeah. And that's actually something that I learned not through this research, but actually through TikTok. Because there's oh. a, a diabetes creator I follow and she was kind of explaining how it's, you, the, the conflict of interest is there. Like you can't accept money from the people that are raising prices on us and also claim that you are advocating 
for diabetics, number one, because you're not. Like, yeah. I get that you need funding to do your programming, but anyway. I will save my rage for slightly later in the podcast. Okay. Oh, just kidding. It's right now. <laughs> uh, here's what I wrote. I said, I am convinced that the cure for diabetes will never come out of research under big pharma. There is simply too much money to be made off of keeping me and other diabetics like me alive at our current state of care. And I 100% believe that, which makes me kind of a cynic, but like, it makes sense because the number of little supplies, like the line items add up, but they're going to argue that we've gotten diabetes to a livable standard. There's a gymnast at the Olympics right now who got diagnosed with diabetes like three months ago and she's competing in the Olympics. So it's fine. Versus, like, obviously they're going to be, they're going to keep saying, like, we need to do funding for cancer research because people are dying. Yeah. Which I understand. Let's keep funding that because cancer sucks. But also living with diabetes sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're like, yeah, but, like, you're mostly okay and we make a lot of money off they're of try- you. Yeah, they're trying to triage it and then treat it as a uh, choice rather than... Yeah. I mean... It is a life or death situation, though. It is not just that you are, you know, at a livable point. You are having to pay to stay alive. Well, and I didn't get into it in terms of, like, backing this up with research, but I would not be surprised if there are studies that have been done about decision fatigue and diabetes or other chronic illness because... I'm sure there is. I mean, we... I feel like we as a culture have decision fatigue anyway of, you know... Okay, I woke up. What am I going to do first? I'm, I'm going to look at my phone. Okay, which app am I going to look at? What am I going to do? What am I going to wear today? All these things. But then you factor in, before I do anything, I have to be like, okay, what's my blood sugar doing? Do I have snacks? Do I have this? What am I going to do if... What am I eating today? What are, yeah. the, what are the meals that I am having today? Do it has Did I have an insulin drop last night? And so I, I binged... 14 peanut butter crackers <laughs> at 3 a.m. And now my insulin is, my blood sugar's too high. Like, I'd just like to shout out to uh, to Shane's old roommates back before <laughs> yes, you guys were Colby. married. Uh, sorry I ate all the bread. My blood sugar was really low when I was on your couch after we all went out that one time. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because I... You were going to die. Look, look, <laughs> look, you know how people talk about like, the drunk version of them. <laughs> low low blood sugar Shan. I don't know her. She's a monster. She is primal directive only. I don't my, know her. My brain is like, you're going to die. And I'm like, no, bro. We drink some juice. We just have to wait 20 minutes. And it's like, no, eat a tortilla raw out of the fridge. Don't warm it up. Don't put anything on it. Just, just a tortilla. <laughs> Raw. <laughs> Raw tortilla. Oh my gosh. I'll have to see if I can find the meme that you sent, that you like made me. Yes. Remember? Yes, I do. Of the girlfriend. Wait, it's the couple walking, but the boy is like looking at the girl that just walked past them. And there was a period of time last year, I think. Yeah, maybe, it was like the beginning of the pandemic. Where it was like I a think. blank one and it was like, send this to your friends and have them make a meme about you. And Emma was, I was the guy. Yes. The the girl he's holding hands with was like treating like treating your blood sugar and waiting, and then the, like the hot girl walking by was like eating every carb in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wow, I I feel seen. How how rude. Well, this is what happens when you end up living together for a while because it's not it's not like I was ever unaware of your. Uh, like, I'm going to say condition. <laughs> but until we lived in this house together, I wasn't ever fully aware of, like, what happens when Shannon's blood sugar drops in the middle of the night. Turns out she becomes a monster in the kitchen with her hand inside of a cereal box. <laughs> Just full dry-eating cereal, letting it scratch the inside of her throat and hoping for the best. Yep. <laughs> yep. Any diabetic also knows exactly what I'm talking about, though, because, like, the feeling of low blood sugar, it feels like, like, if, like, if your body was, like, a sink, 
it feels like the plug has been like pulled out of you and all the water, like your entire being just feels like it's draining out of you and you're like, oh my God, I'm dying. I feel um, like that would be a beautiful poem. <laughs> interpretive dance. Yeah. It would also probably be a great like slam poetry like night oh, where you were just like yelling it at people and then you get a ton of snaps. Everybody be snapping. Well, I'll keep that in mind. I say do it. <laughs> I snap for you. Yeah, you're obligated. I am. I'm okay with that, though. Great. That was a rant and also an interpretive dance slam poem about low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back to the shadiness of it all. Mm. The main issue. We're getting there. I promise. 2019 saw the creation of the JDRF Beyond Type 1 Alliance, a partnership with a goal, quote, of creating a powerful and united voice to influence public policy. Mm. Okay. And then this is from a Substack piece uh, that is in the show notes if you want to go deeper. Quote, in April 2020, because of COVID, Eli Lilly launched a copay cap program where supposedly people with diabetes could get insulin for $35 a month. Beyond Type 1 began aggressively marketing this. They later had to follow up with the community because they never initially pointed out that the program has an annual limit of $7,500, which isn't more than a few months worth of insulin for a lot of people with diabetes, if they have a deductible or are uninsured. The campaign included custom social media graphics, including one where a child holds up a vial of insulin. If the picture feels familiar, it's because it's straight plagiarism of a photo from insulin activist Laura Marston, whose piece in the Washington Post in October 2016 kickstarted the media frenzy around insulin prices. Unquote. Wow. Owen Wilson? Wow. Is that you? I don't know what that was. Do you hear that? <laughs> he turned the reverb way up. Wow. 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 Anyway. Uh, Tension came to a head in April of this year, 2021. Okay. When a Maine legislative committee, so the state of Maine, the Maine issue. Oh. You get it? I knew. Okay. Great. I knew there was something in there. (laughs) It's more of a visual gag, but Eh, there you go. it, It worked. When a Maine legislative committee held a hearing for a suite of five bills, including LD 673, which would establish a statewide emergency insulin program similar to Minnesota's Alec Smith Insulin Act. Hashtag insulin for all advocates, which is an American subset of T1 International, which is a good, an actual good diabetic nonprofit. Insulin for all advocates had been hard at work for months and were feeling hopeful about this bill. They were therefore extremely surprised to receive a written testimony from Beyond Type 1, Nick Jonas's nonprofit, criticizing the bill. And here's a blurb from a source called The Shot, <laughs> which is funny because it's about diabetes. In the letter, Beyond Type 1's chief ad- advocacy officer tells the main committee that a tool being offered by Beyond Type 1, a website called getinsulin.org, renders the main bill duplicative. Getinsulin.org, which launched in October, aggregates patient assistant programs available based on your zip code, financial information, and medication list. It's funded by donations from the insulin manufacturers. It's not totally clear from the letter whether Beyond Type 1 explicitly opposes the bill, but it does argue that GetInsulin.org and the patient assistant programs offered by the big three insulin manufacturers make it unnecessary to establish the state-based program laid out in the bill and would unnecessarily burden patients and the state. No, it would just make them lose money. It makes no sense to me that a corporation, or not even a corporation, it's a nonprofit who is claiming to be looking towards research in diabetes, but also in finding ways to make, with this website they're claiming, we're trying to make finding cheaper options for diabetics with this portion of our website. 
And yet they are basically by writing that letter, they are opposing the support for patients. They're not helping people by saying, hey, no, we already when they're saying it's duplicitous or like duplicitous or whatever. Duplicative. Duplicative. Basically. Yeah. It's like we already have this. Yeah. It that. So. Wow. Why does it matter that there are two different ways to do something? Wow. Emma. Furthermore. The bill would require pharmacies and other healthcare providers to administer a once a year emergency supply of insulin to Maine residents without adequate prescription coverage, allowing pharmacies to recoup payments from the insulin manufacturers. Programs like GetInsulin.org, provided by type, Beyond Type 1, have no guarantee associated with them. They could disappear as easily as a staff change, as a funding change, because they're getting funding from the insulin manufacturers directly. So if the big three decide, well, we've had enough goodwill and charity, we're done, then those people may not have insulin. But the bill would put in place a program that would give diabetics an actual safety net because you're getting a year's supply of insulin. Yeah. So even if something changed within that year, you'd have time like if you lost your job and you no longer had your job's health insurance you would still be able to continue to survive to live this is not even just like and i hate to make this equivalency but like this isn't birth control like this isn't something that is technically optional right at yeah. least for most people because i could i know that for birth control it can be you right know, for ovarian cysts and things like that but in the same capacity. It's like, well, and, and you this just, is something that's keeping this person alive. And you just pointed out something I didn't even think to write in my list of like, yes, it's the supplies, but it's also these other supplies and these specialty visits. Last year, I got laid off from my job, yeah. but because I need pretty good insurance to be able to afford my diabetes supplies, I had to stay on COBRA, like continuation of insurance, for a couple months, which was like 400 something dollars a month. Yeah. When I was working part-time. So, like... And bar- barely earning cost. $400. Right. Exactly. Within two weeks, so let it's alone like, a month. So, that's, a, that's an additional cost situation, but also decision. Because, okay, do I continue to pay this really high cost and know that I still have access to my doctors and my, you know, certain price of medications? And the people you trust who are treating you. Right. Or do I technically save money up front but risk having to pay a higher copay or like so that sucks too and potentially risk rationing what i already have that i've already gotten from my insurance yes furthermore on the main issue the beyond type one letter bears striking similarities to the one submitted by eli Lilly's local director of state legislative affairs which also cited GetInsulin.org as an existing solution that rendered the main bill unnecessary. It's not... This just makes me so angry. Sorry, you guys, if you came here for, like, a fun cryptid, but no, the cryptid in the room is Shannon, and that's what we're talking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) But it just makes me so angry that in order to try and stop a state from putting something in place to take care of its citizens, it's saying, oh, no, they can just go to this website. It's fine. Well, I also, like, in the explanation of the bill, the insulin companies would still recoup their, like, the state is still going to be paying them. So you're getting paid either way. So what is your issue? What's your damage, Heather? Seriously, Heather. (laughs) Are you ready for the next section? I suppose. Yeah. Are there any ghosts? Are there any cryptids? Is the ghost of your middle school crush past? I really, side note, I really did have a huge crush on Nick Jonas. I, I will say in adulthood, Joe Jonas is the more attractive. I concur with this statement. You may continue. Great. <laughs> so the next section is titled, Let's Play. In February 2021, the Continuous Glucose Monitor company Dexcom aired its first ever Super Bowl ad starring 
You guessed it. One Nick Jonas. Nick, 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 Nick Jonas. And then I'm going to show you this ad, Emma. In the ad, Nick Jonas points out all of the very cool technological advances humanity has made. Self-driving cars, rovers on Mars, etc. Ooh, that rhymed. Why on earth would diabetics still be pricking their fingers to test their glucose levels the old-fashioned way? That's basically what Nick Jonas is saying in the ad. This ad caused a lot of division within the diabetic community online. Some felt happy to see an aspect of their life represented during such a large-scale national television event by such a big celebrity. Which is valid. Sure. Yes. I remember meeting an Olympic swimmer when I was a, a child at the, I forget what it was called, but it was a diabetes conference that was held at Disney World. Cool. So I got to meet him. I think his name was Gary Hall, and he was a diabetic, and he signed my little poster, and I was like, wow, that's cool. We have the same thing. And that was before, like, I think I tried an insulin pump for the first time at that conference. Whoa. Because you can test them. They just put saline in them. Yeah. Like salt water. But anyway, so I get it. Seeing, like, a rock star guy from The Voice on TV could be really significant for people with diabetes. I'm kind of over it. As we can tell. I'm like, that's nice. They're wealthy and have diabetes, so their life is very different than mine. Which goes along with what I'm saying next, which is the most significant contingent, at least from my point of view, the people I follow online, criticized Nick Jonas and the ad for for presenting a CGM as the kind of no-duh option when many Americans can't even access this technology. Uh, There was one tweet from a user uh, who's titled at Justin D. Mendoza that reads, quote, the fact that a diabetes device company can afford to air a $5 million plus commercial while millions of people with diabetes struggle to afford their insulin is exactly why advocates point out that these companies spend more on marketing than access. Oof. Because not only were they paying for a Super Bowl commercial ad time, they had to pay Nick Jonas, who's a big name. There are special effects in this thing. For most, the CGM technology is simply too far out of reach in terms of -of out-of-pocket costs. Many insurance companies won't even cover a CGM due to the fact that it's technically non-essential, despite the fact that it gives an improved quality of life and improved glucose levels over time for patients. Some people are lucky enough to have CGM supplies covered as part of their insurance, but still face challenges of access. Patients have to advocate for their own care, having doctors fill out special paperwork to authorize the technology as part of a maintenance medication protocol. Emma, or anyone who follows me on Instagram, has been around for the saga of my last insurance and my previous job was pretty good. Like, we were a small company, but we had, like, platinum-level insurance. Even then, I spent hours on the phone with different people being told I needed to do this form or that form. And finally, I reached, like, the senior supervisor of customer service or whatever. And I was just trying to explain to them. And what I was trying to do was get a 90-day prescription for my CGM supplies. Which is, that's a normal prescription time that you can get. I get a 90-day prescription for my own medication. Right. Because it's nice that you... If it's... You don't have to go in every month. And the thing with CGM is that each sensor, at least the one I have, which is a Dexcom, each sensor is supposed to last 10 days. Mm Mm-hmm. But if one of those fails, which it, it happens, if you only have a 30-day supply, like you're screwed and you're going to have to hope the pharmacy can fill it early or you're going to be without that level of care for 10 days. Yep. Also, like I didn't talk about this in my notes, but people, like we as diabetics have had to figure out how to like hack the system the best we can. And that sometimes includes sharing supplies with people like 
Shout out Jackie. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but freshman year roommate Jackie, pretty sure we were only roomies because we were both diabetic, but we did share test strips and also Ashlyn gave me insulin one time during like senior week of college. I like went to their apartment and was like, hi, Ashlyn told me it's in the butter compartment of the fridge, which if you live with a diabetic, you know. It's the only proper place to put your insulin. Yeah, but butter doesn't go there. That's the insulin compartment. Except I found your insulin in the cheese drawer. Well, yeah, because they gave me a lot of it. Okay. They gave me a big old bag of it. So yeah. she has she has her insulin right now in the cheese drawer downstairs. In the cheese drawer. <laughs> in the fridge. <laughs> Um, pairs well with a good feta. (laughs) Lots of dairy. It's fine. But yeah, so like that, or like people have to resort to like doing GoFundMes to get their supplies, or I'm part of several Facebook groups where people say like, hey, I can't get my prescription filled and like one of my bottles of insulin broke. Can someone like overnight me insulin? And it's just wild that we live in what is supposed to be one of the greatest, like, most highly accomplished countries in the world. Um, Oh, right. With Dexcom also specifically. (laughs) I learned a hack on TikTok that, because there are two components to a continuous glucose monitor. There's your transmitter, which lasts about six months, um, which is also annoying that we can't make them, like, rechargeable. Like, can I mail them back and you, like, reuse the parts or something? Because... All, don't get me started about the amount of like eco guilt I feel because just being a diabetic, I generate so much plastic, but I really don't have an option. Yeah. So I'll just keep using my metal straw and feel good about that. But there's the transmitter and then there's the sensor, which is the thing that you're supposed to change every 10 days. I found a thing on TikTok that if you pop out the sensor, you can re or the transmitter, you can reuse your sensor for another 10 days. So I've been doing that because it stretches. And if you're from my insurance company, that was a joke. (laughs) Please continue to give me my stuff. Please and thank you. Thank you. So Dexcom's statement following the Super Bowl ad stated that the ad was also meant to reach out to type 2 diabetics. And then I wrote, here's the thing. They don't. Type 2 diabetics are not necessarily insulin dependent. Some of them may use insulin or other medications to help control their numbers, which is great. We shouldn't, you know, ignore one group of diabetics in favor of another. There are people who have gestational diabetes when they're pregnant and then they're like, they're fine, which I'll admit I'm a little, I'm a little bit slash a lot of bit jaded. Like I'm like, hi, I understand pregnancy, terrifying, very difficult more power to you. Please don't complain to me about how hard diabetes is because at the end of this, you're going to have a baby and probably not diabetes anymore. (laughs) I have diabetes my whole life and will have it should I ever choose to have a baby, which if I want to, I'm going to have to really work hard to get my numbers down and then pay even more to see more special doctors while I'm pregnant because it's high risk. Anyway, um, (laughs) welcome to therapy. Thanks, guys. This is just... An hour of rant, ranting Shannon, but it's like just justified ranting Shannon. Yeah, I was going to say, it's all justified, yeah. though. I'm not incorrect. No, no all of this is correct. <laughs> Don't worry. You guys can, like, send me the bill for this therapy session. Thanks so much. But yes, type 2s are not at risk for dramatic, potentially lethally low blood sugar levels. Yeah. Which type 1 diabetics can face, and... There's a, a a thing that's not a good word for it, but th- welcome. There's a th- basically when you get diagnosed, once you've kind of learned what diabetes is and how to treat it, you go through the honeymoon period because your body is so excited to have insulin again that it reacts really, really well and your numbers are like beautiful. But over time, you become more insulin resistant and also you react to low blood sugars more slowly. Like, your sensitivity is not as good. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I could grab my mom from her conversation and be like, hi, I'm low, and I would check my blood sugar, and it would be like 99, which the ideal blood sugar, at least for me, is like 110, 120. So we'd be able to catch it that early. Now, 
Or, like, I would wake myself up in the middle of the night. Yeah. But now, my sensitivity is, like, if I didn't have a CGM, it would be bad news bears. Yeah. Also, a cool thing about the CGM is that if you... You, ha- you can have people follow you on, like, a, com- a companion app. Mm-hmm. So, I have, like, my mom, which is hilarious because she's on the other side of the country. But I She guess has my phone number. She has your phone number. <laughs> You'd be like, I know how to break into their house. It's fine. I know how to break into your house. I know where all of your emergency stuff is. You need to re-up your... <laughs> my glucagon. Em- emergency glucagon. Please all right. And thank you. All right, mom. Um, but that's been like a... You've had, you've had to do that for like over two years now. Knock on wood. I've never needed it. Um, but the thing is, if if my blood sugar is, like, urgent low, which is, like, under 50, for a certain amount of time and I don't click OK on the, the alert to, like, stop it screaming at me, essentially, it will ping my followers to be like, hey, this person is not responding. They might be dead, so <laughs> go take go care of Go check on them. Thanks. To which my mom would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, what's going on? Oh, God, I have to call Emma. In Colorado, she'd be and like, then, what? And then basically Shane would have to answer the phone because you sleep like the dead. Yes. <laughs> and he would. He'd probably, like, roll over, be like, why is her phone ringing? Notice that it's you and go, I should probably answer Well, it wouldn't that. be me. It would be my mom because oh. I'm dead or And I, I do have your mom as a contact. Exactly. So it would show up as Karen. There you go. And then I wrote... Furthermore, in in italics, a dramatic run, like a dramatic increase in, in people trying to get CGM technology could lead to the prices rising even higher. Because they're thinking demand. Perfect. Right? Well, and if there's just, le- you know, if they there's haven't fewer. increased yeah. production yet, uh, which makes it even more inaccessible for those people who truly need it. And then in all caps, I wrote, and don't get me started on the biohacking industry. There are companies that you, as an able-bodied or at least able pancreas person, yes. you could pay these companies, Emma, to get you a prescription for a CGM for kicks and giggles. I'm sorry, what? Supposedly they're helpful in improving athletic performance, but I'll be honest, I rage clicked out of the men's health article without making it very far in. I just want to scream. I take hours, literal hours of my life on the phone to argue with people who don't have diabetes about why I need this and why it's a good thing that I get it. And they respond back to me with, oh, we'd prefer you to use the formulary. Can I explain to you what the formulary of a CGM is in their brain? Go ahead. It's a test strip. That's not a so that's not a CGM. Stabbing your finger every eight hours, like not every eight hours, eight times a day, is equivalent to having a hundred percent of the time around the clock notification on your phone and now on my pump, because that's another cool thing. Like technology is improving where my pump, which is what you guys hear when it beeps on the podcast, talks to my monitor and if it says oh I'm starting to go low it will cut my insulin until it raises back to an acceptable level so it prevents me from going low theoretically it helps me stop having high blood sugars which I have more problems with high blood sugars than low blood sugars but that's beside the point like I have to do all of this just to get like minimum access for my supplies and then these silicon valley jerk heads Get to just do it for fun. I find it interesting that you can buy medical gear, basically. Like this is this is what is it? What what is what is it called? Biohacking. Well, no, I know, but like, oh. what is the term of like thievery? No, BS. Stupid. <laughs> no one cares about your gains, Chad. <laughs> no, the. The kit that you have to have in order to take care of yourself. It seems odd to me that if they are producing these items specifically for people who need them, why is it possible for people to just buy them? Well, they don't, Emma. They pay a company. And, like, I kind of equate it to this situation, which I feel like my example situation isn't that serious because the product involved is is not life 
changing, saving-ish in most cases. But, like, in Maryland, medical marijuana is legal. Yeah. And most primary care providers don't have the authorization to, like, write a prescription for you to go to the dispensary. Yeah. But the, the dispensary has a doctor that you sit down with and... Maybe you have some really valid reasons, or maybe you're just like, I can't sleep very well. And they're like, cool, here's a prescription. Yeah. I That's how I imagine these biohacking CGM companies that you pay and you're like, yeah, so I want to be able to like do an Ironman or whatever. And monitor my blood sugar. And they're like, all right, cool. We'll do all the paperwork for you. Like I said... I, I don't think they're getting, like, Dexcom grade, like, my, what I have, but they have other ones that are not the, as good. The, one, the ones that are on your arm, I know. Well, you, you can, I can you put can mine buy on those. my arm yeah. if I wanted. But, like, the little white circles. Yeah. I think it's, like, Lib- Libra, Libro. Anyway, um, literally, I wrote, anyway, <laughs> long story short is that Big Pharma is all a conspiracy and Nick Jonas has let me down so much in the dream fulfillment department of middle school crush headquarters that he's been permanently banned from the premises. That's my episode. That's the conspiracy. Do you love that I had to put a paragraph at the end to be like, I know I'm just, I've been ranting for a long time, so I'm going to tie it back to the apparent theme of our podcast, which is conspiracies. And honestly, the American healthcare is a conspiracy. I think this was what I was trying to get at earlier, which is... The why of it all. Like, it, it's purely just capitalist consumerism. Um, but beyond that being a concept, it, it, it's because there are so many people involved. Like, t- so many companies, so many celebrities, so mm-hmm. many people involved in all of this production of, distribution of, and like giving up, like you you're getting insurance covered but if for certain things and not others and the gatekeeping almost of well, life thing, is so weird to me the thing that i the literal argument that i made to the senior customer whoever on my insurance company phone call which i always preface these conversations with like Please understand, I recognize you are just the messenger. I apologize if my tone gets a little bit much. I'm very emotional. Please understand I'm not with you specifically frustrated. But I just told them, I was like, here's the thing. You aren't willing to cover this CGM. And, and... and I f- then this is privilege for me to even say like I was complaining because I wanted a thirty or a ninety day supply. Some people can't even get a thirty day supply. Yeah. So, first of all, huge privilege there. But like you aren't willing to cover this, despite the fact that it's going to lower my A one C. It's going to improve my time within range, my overall health. I'm less likely to end up in the hospital, passed out with low blood sugar because of this technology. But your company would much rather have me go to the hospital because guess what? Then you're going to charge me for the ambulance, for the room, for every little thing. Because you don't care about patients. You care about making money. Yeah, the line items are what matter. So, And I know this episode was very US-centric. I know that even in companies, or companies, even in countries that have like nationalized healthcare systems there's still challenges with people gaining access or being able to get appointments but even that is a step in the right direction shout out to you mom and mike whenever you listen to this i know you're just yelling in agreement whenever i go to colorado and visit them we all just end up sitting around the table like we all are talking like this like really passionately but we're all agreeing with each other and like my mom is a bernie bro but not in a bad way like She's not like a pretty bro, like, uh, bleh, whatever. She, but she's like, Medicare for all. Just take care of my baby, please. I mean, but everybody's baby, you know? Yeah. But anyway, that's the conspiracy. If you want to get mad with us or if you have some healthcare frickin' frackery that you want to share with us, you can email us. You can DM us. Let us know. 
Yeah. And I mean... I'll run a poll. Who was your favorite Jonas brother? Which, which one is actually attractive and which one is only attractive when his brothers are around? I mean, I was going to say, which one's least problematic? But like... Kevin. I don't know, but he has that TV show and like... I don't know. I feel like he and his wife are weird. I think the answer is Frankie. Can uh, TikTok. And I did Google it. I didn't find any bad things you about didn't? him. No. Okay. So you can Google it and check Okay, me. I will. I just remember it being a thing on TikTok where people were like, um, Frankie is not great. And I was like, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, friends. If you'd like to figure out some more big pharma conspiracies with us, just send them along. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. Like my pancreas. <laughs> you have one. Yeah, it's just it just not doesn't doing work. Your job. <laughs>